Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 achievers growing our lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. Thanks to Issue for supporting Earn Your Happy, create once and distribute everywhere. Everything is optimized to post on your website and social platforms. Get started with Issue today for free or sign up for a premium account and get 50% off at issue.com slash podcast and use promo code Lori. And big thanks to Bombas for supporting Earn Your Happy. Bombas makes socks that are comfortable and look great with a wide variety of options. And for every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. Go to bombas.com slash Lori to get 20% off your first purchase. When whoever is the person that's leading the dialogue is in it, they comprehend these things. They know terms that you don't yet know. And because of that, they're using those terms not to belittle you. It's just how this industry speaks. And just having the confidence within yourself to say, I'm sorry, I'm not following. Can you pause and explain that to me is half the battle. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. 
this show you're not going to want to miss because it is going to share so many statistics and details about women in business, women raising money, and venture capital. You guys, if you know nothing about that stuff, I promise you, we're, my guest is going to break it down in such an easy way that you're going to walk away being able to share all of this info with your friends or on your social. I promise you, we're going to make you the hero in this podcast. So you feel like you know exactly what you're talking about. And not just that, this is really going to open your eyes as to why it's so important for us to not only get a seat at the table, but to build our own tables. So you guys know that information is power and this is such a powerful podcast. So my my guest today is Steph Caldwell. She's a personal development author, VC-backed startup operator, and angel investor. She is also an investor in Light Pink, which is so exciting. She specializes in helping startups and high-growth companies develop and generate revenue in new and existing sales channels. By day, she's the head of business development and partnerships at Circle Up, a top fintech company using AI to make venture capital more equitable and scaling access to capital to epic entrepreneurs so that they can thrive. And by night, she she is the host of PM School Podcast, which is an inspiring podcast. It's pretty much how I'm building this style. And it's a podcast that inspires the next generation of women entrepreneurs by bringing them behind the scenes with inspiring founders to hear all of their incredible stories about how they scale their businesses. You guys, let's get into the show. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so honored to be here. Thanks for having me. So we've been talking about this forever and here we are finally. Steph is one of our light pink investors, huge female supporter. You are a podcast host and an author by night. You are a VP of sales for a fintech company by day and you're an all around epic person 24-7. So we've covered, we've covered, just, can you put that on your resume? I think that it has to go on my resume, honestly. You can quote me saying. Yeah, I'm actually going to send a soundbite to my executive team and be like, so by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you guys, today we're really excited to chat with you because Steph is like, I'm pretty sure you've said this so I can say it, like a self-proclaimed data nerd. And I love it. Like you nerd out on all things, female business owned, raising money, everything data. Like you definitely lose me in it. And I love it because I can't get enough of it. And it's not my zone of genius, but it's definitely your zone of genius. It was one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you as an investor was because you just bring so much value in that area of really bringing in the we were just chatting like the state of the union for women in business and what the realities are because you're in it every day. So I think that'd be a great place to kick off Steph is to kind of tell me what your day to day looks like and why exactly it is that you are in these details of women in business. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, when you say like zone of genius for any listener that does like a lot of personal development work or like takes the personality test, there's a test that I took recently called the Colby. And it basically assesses like your natural inclination. When, so when you're a kid, right, you either write with your left hand or your right hand. This is what the Colby assesses, but across like different dimensions, one of which is fact finding. This is no surprise to any listener once they hear us talk about what we're going to talk about today. But I'm extremely high fact finder, which is, you know, probably what led me into my career and my day to day working literally for a fintech company, 
where we aggregate data and we leverage that data to systematically invest in private companies. We specialize in companies like Light Pink, so other kind of consumer packaged goods companies. So I literally spend every single day of my life talking to some of the world's biggest investors in consumer goods businesses about what they're trying to accomplish, how they want to use data to validate investment decisions, and ultimately make investments that are smart for their business and for the people that invest in them. Oh my gosh, that is so interesting to me. Number one, that would be opposite of my skill set. Number two, this is so much of what I talk about is finding people who have the opposite skill set because it's very interesting to me and I want it, but it's absolutely like probably the last on the spectrum for how my brain actually works. And also how cool to have a position that suits you so well. And also that companies are using this and really looking at all of the data, which then brings me stuff to this point because data feels amazing and it's grounding and it really helps in the biggest way. You know that it's literally what you do. I also think data tends to be a bit more of like a masculine energy, like a very factual masculine energy. So I'm curious for you, just kicking it right off the gate, like how much do you take into consideration the data, but then how much do you also feel out in the world for companies and decision-making is also kind of gut and kind of looking at the future of what we think trends are and things like that. Well, you're also talking to a Pisces. So I'm also very intuitive, right? Go with the flow, like intuition, high empathy. I think at the end of the day, people are irrational beings. We make decisions on emotion and then we back them up with logic. And the favorite, my favorite decisions, right? Are ones where like, I intuitively know this is an F yes. And then I go and find the data that at a macro level and a micro level, like, informs that decision. And so like, when you have kind of that trifecta of like, this feels good at this level, this feels good at a much higher level, and this feels good intuitively, it's like, like, that's magic to me. That is such a killer combo. I'm I'm a nerd. I'm a self-proclaimed nerd Pisces. So I guess that's my way. And I think a lot of people probably resonate with that too. Okay. So we are talking about all things women in business. So you guys, for anyone, it doesn't matter if you have started a business, if you're thinking about starting a business, if you want to raise money, but know nothing about it. If you just want to know like the state of the union of what is actually going on out in the world, we have Stefan here to talk all things, statistics and data. So you're going to be, just wait for it because you're going to be the smartest friend in your friend group about women in business after this. So just listen to everything Steph says, write down like three points you can put on a napkin and be the most interesting person at the table. Okay, Steph, we're ready. We're ready. Either they're going to be the smartest or the most annoying because I'm constantly <laughs> the friend at dinner that's like, I've got a stat for that. I've got a stat for that. We're like, shut up with your stats. Let's just eat scallops, okay? Oh my God. No, I would love it. I'd be like, tell me a stat. Tell me how many women like scallops? like in the world who own a business. I'm going to have to look one up afterwards. <laughs> okay, so let's chat about it. What is happening? Tell me the state of the union for women in business, starting a business, all the things. Yeah, state of the union, I would say is this. Let's start here. 57% of women say that they want to start a business. And the majority of them say the reason why is they want more flexibility. They want to be their own boss and they want to show other women that this is a possible path for them which I think is wow beautiful. Yeah. That was such a huge reason for why I wanted to do this. Was I, That was a major driver, maybe over some other things. Do you think we should tell them that it gives you less freedom? 
<laughs> it's basically like you think that you're going to have so much and then you realize, no, this is my entire life and there's no boundaries because I've committed to this path. But you're happier, but you truly, I think most people, once we, once we kind of figure that out, I had to figure out the boundaries and all of that stuff, but you do get to decide what you are working on. So yes. Okay. So that was 57% of women want to start a business. Yeah. So if you're sitting at a table with three girlfriends, two of them want to start a business is like the stat on that. Wow. What have you found just in your conversations with entrepreneurs? I know you have your side hustle as well. What do you think are some of the reasons when you really get into the nitty gritty that women don't start businesses? I think it's fear of failure. I think it's feeling like they don't know how. And I also think this is like the dirty word, but it's money right? Like we are naturally risk adverse as a gender. I think I fundamentally do believe that that is true. Like we have so much more to think about in starting a business and the impact that that will have on like our livelihood and the livelihood of those that we care for. That money really is, I think, one of the biggest barriers to deciding whether or not we could go on our own and, and, you know, create value for others, but also create income for ourselves. Oh, I think that's so true. And I've been spending a lot of time just thinking and writing around the idea of how we expand our risk tolerance, because I really think that that is our Achilles heel, because we do think of so many different things. So that's kind of what we're going to chat about today is also funding. So, all right, I'm going to let you roll with it. So you also talked about women are starting 40% of business, but I'm going to let you roll with some of your stats. So you go to town. Yeah. Well, thank you for just like giving me this soapbox to stand on and share, the, share the, the juice with the ladies. Here's the deal, ladies. I think that this is really cool. Women-owned businesses in America generate more than $2 trillion in revenue. And $2 trillion, like that's a world economy, right? Like there's countries that generate less GDP than $2 trillion. That's pretty insane to think about, right? Like if we formed our own little like country, that's a thing. However, $2 trillion is only impressive when you don't have anything to compare it against. Two trillion in American revenues is less than 4.5% of total revenues generated in this country. And that's pretty much nothing. Wow, okay, so say that whole stat again. So it's women own 40% of businesses. Women are starting 40% of businesses, generating two trillion in American revenue, but that's less than 4.5% of total revenues. Okay, and that's per year. Yeah, according to the source that I pulled this one from. All right. So tell me why this matters to you. Why this matters to me is like, so when I wake up every day and I think about what I want to do, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but I think about how we close the gender wealth gap in half the time. So if if you, the stat out there on this is that it'll take 208 years for women and men to have the same amount of wealth. So to close that gap, 208 years. I'm like, okay, who do I know that's 208 years old? And then I realized it's not my generation, right? It's multiple generations away from having that level of equality between our genders. And I'm like, what? Like it's 2022. Like this is absolutely absurd to me. And so when I think about like, what is the best vehicles that we have to close the gender wealth gap in less than half the time, right? So that my daughter could be at the level of her male peers. And I don't, I'm not pregnant. I don't have a daughter. I don't even have a son. But like, these are the things that I think about. I'm like, what would it take? And when you think about like the vehicles that we have for wealth accumulation in this country, we can invest our time and we can invest our money. And in the future, I think we'll be able to invest our data. So let's put data aside for now. 
well, let's say that we've got our time and our money. Well, we make less money than men in corporate America. So even if we're investing at the same rate as our male counterparts, we would still end up with less at the end of the tunnel, right? So then there's where do we invest our time? Well, we can invest our time in other people's vehicles that are only going to pay us so much and allow us to invest so much, or we can invest our time into things that we create. And we can create things that have exponential value and therefore kind of allow us the capital means that it takes to invest that money to realize kind of the gains that our male counterparts would gain. And to me, that is like the most beautiful thing about entrepreneurship, the most beautiful thing about being a woman and looking at that as a means for spending your time in life. Hey, I want to share with you an amazing hack when you create something for marketing and you post it. So when we just post on one platform, we're missing out on so much visibility if you only share it in one place. So we want to be hitting every single medium possible and don't let reformatting or resizing deter you. I have the exact solution you need that we have been loving and it is Issue. Issue is the all-in-one platform that creates and distributes beautiful digital content from marketing materials to magazines to flip books and brochures and more. Issue elevates every piece of content you make by putting it in an easy to view format that looks so professional and so beautiful. I'm being so honest when I say that I am obsessed with it because we used it for light pink well before they ever became a sponsor for this podcast. If you guys looked at our light pink cocktail book or holiday gift guide, then you've gotten to already see how beautiful issue can be. You should also know that yes, I'm going to toot my own horn here that those two creations were freaking beautiful. And it was such a fun labor of love to put the cocktail book and holiday gift guide together for you in issue. And if you love them too, don't worry, there'll be more and you can now make your own too. My favorite part about issue is that it also works seamlessly with tools you already use like Canva and Dropbox and every piece of content you make displays properly on any device. So all that hard work and effort you put in won't go to waste due to a jumbled layout on a phone screen. Did I also mention that issue is free? Get started with issue today for free or if you sign up for a premium account you'll get 50% off when you go to issuu.com slash podcast and use promo code Lori that's issuu.com slash podcast and use promo code Lori at checkout for your free account or 50% off your premium account that's issuu.com slash podcast with promo code Lori okay so you said you know thinking of your future daughters, if you decide to have them. Thinking of our future females in the world, you said, what are the best vehicles? So right now, if you were teaching them exactly what to do, what examples would you use and what would you tell them to do with their money? First and foremost, I would say for every dollar that you earn, look at ways that you can put that dollar to work for yourself. And put that dollar to work in so many different ways. Like it's actually pretty incredible. We live, you know, I think the majority of your listeners live in America, right? You can put it in the public markets, right? So invest in companies like Sweetgreen. Like I love Sweetgreen. They get all of my money. Why would I not? Same. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so you can invest in individual companies. You can invest in portfolios of companies. You can invest in indexes that track kind of how companies overall within our economy are moving. Talk to a wealth manager, a wealth advisor on that. Second thing you can do is you can start your own company. What you'd have to believe is that dollars invested in your own company are going to give you a greater return than those same dollars invested in the public markets. You could believe that. You don't have to. 
real estate, another incredible investment. And I'm personally going to plug crypto NFTs because I think that it's just innovations like, like what we're seeing in the decentralization of currency is like they happen once in a generation. And I think we should all be awake and aware of that. I agree. Definitely at least getting educated around it. And it's funny, I just did a podcast yesterday on NFTs, just talking about being aware and potentially just playing really even dabbling, just playing small to understand it. Oh, just a little bit. Just put your toe in. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. So more statistics. I know that you came on here with just a page of things that we were like, how do we get all of this info into some beautiful bite-sized information to really have women understand what's going on and why we need to invest, why we need to start businesses and why we need to make more money than what we actually think right now is possible for ourselves. Yeah. So I guess maybe... I think it's really interesting right now that I don't know what Instagram universe everybody listening to this show lives in, but the one that I live in is very predominantly like personal development, mindset, money mindset, venture capital, right? Like there's a lot of, I kind of feel like it's like VC porn going around, right? Like everybody knows the stat that like less than 2.5% of all venture dollars went to, not everybody knows this, you know, went to women in the year 2020 that feels like this huge issue to us, right? We're like, how is that possible that like 98% went to the other gender? And it's really easy to be up in arms about that number. And then you look at the fact that less than 25% of women founders actually go and seek out venture capital. And it's like, okay, think about the funnel, right? 25% go and seek it, 2.5% get it. It's like, not that wild, right? The conversion percentage through the venture capital funnel to me. So there's there's that, right? And then on the other side of the equation, this is like a really positive side of the equation. In 2021, more female founded unicorns were minted than ever before. And it was quadruple that of the prior year. Meaning women owned businesses with valuations at over $1 billion were quadruple what they had been in a prior period. That's a really exciting stat to me. So anyway, not a lot of women seek venture capital. Not a lot of venture capital goes to women. And yet, when women are receiving these types of investment in their businesses, they do actually outperform those businesses that do not have at least one female founder on board. Okay, let's talk about this because I think that maybe some people who aren't in this jargon yet, maybe have even gotten a little bit lost. So let's just rewind. Okay, so you have an idea for a business, but the business potentially that you're thinking of requires a lot or let's just not even a lot at first, right? If you want to scale, then we can talk about the steps of like, here's where you might want a VC to come in. But if you have this idea for business, here's how you can get money. Maybe let's back up and start there. And before you even go with that, I just want to say, I think that women, and this is not, I think you just literally gave us stats around this. We're not even allowing our brains to think of some of these bigger opportunities or dreams because we haven't seen or it hasn't played out for us or we don't have someone in our lives or role models around us. We don't see how women are getting this money. We don't know the conversation. It all seems very hush-hush. 
It seems behind closed doors. It seems like that's for the smart girls. It seems like that's for the girls who have that network, but it's not for us. This is not a normal conversation that's in my friend groups. This is not a normal conversation that was ever in my family. This is actually like feels so far outside of what's possible for me that it scares me. So let's start like normalizing that conversation because you're in it every day. Like literally, if I ask you questions, things that don't feel possible for others feel very possible for you because you are in the conversation daily. So let's start bringing that conversation around. What does this look like for a woman who's like, oh, I have a like an idea, maybe a beauty product, maybe it's jewelry, maybe it's tech, maybe it's something that, you know, could change the world, but just feels so far out of your reach right now. What are your first steps on that? Yeah, well, let me point this out because I, I want the listener to hear this. I think the first step is stop the conversation the second you feel any amount of intimidation or law, like you're feeling lost, like exactly how Lori did just then. And she said, like, stop, rewind. You're probably lost a lot of people because I think that, again, when whoever is the person that's leading the dialogue is in it, they comprehend these things. They know terms that you don't yet know. And because of that, they're using those terms not to belittle you. It's just how this industry speaks. And just having the confidence within yourself to say, I'm sorry, I'm not following. Can you pause and explain that to me is half the battle. I think that's half the battle in life, to be honest. Honestly, we could stop this podcast there. Everything that you just said is the difference between who will go on to understand and be successful and who will not. Like trying to look smart and continuing to nod your head and smile gets you nowhere but back to square one. And I learned that so fast, Steph. It was one of the most humbling things ever. It was like I was on a call with somebody who knew all the lingo and all the things that we're talking about. I knew literally nothing. They were speaking in acronyms. I was like, I, you just said the alphabet in, you know, all of these different ways, but I have no idea what you just told me. Okay, perfect. So stop the conversation and then just keep asking. You're going to feel like a psycho. You're going to feel like, you know, nothing. And you're going to just be like, Ooh, I don't know what that one was either. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I think maybe to make me a little bit more relatable to whoever's listening to this is like, Oh my God, like what is her deal right now? No, you're doing, you're great. Are you kidding? You're great. I remember literally, this is less than four years ago, and I was assigned, I work in high tech. I was assigned to an account that was, you know, big finance. So it was like Wells Fargo or something like that. And I got on the phone with one of their executives and I was just trying to like create value in the relationship. And they spoke hardcore gibberish at me, yelled at me and then hung up the phone. And I was like, instant tears, go to talk to my boss. I was like, I don't understand finance. You have to move these accounts off my plate. Like I will never be successful in this. And he was like, you will be. This man assumes that you know things that you don't know. You need to stop and ask the questions. And so it was like the ultimate permission slip to me. Like, guys, I'm from the Midwest. I'm not a like Stanford-educated, Harvard-educated person. I played sports in college, went to a very like minimal university and happened to fall into the fact that I wanted more money in the hands of women. And that's how I got here, right? I'm not smarter than you. I'm not better than you. I am exactly you just one year ahead because I asked a lot of questions. Oh, I love that. And just real quick, when you say you're in high tech, what exactly is that? What does that mean every day? It can mean a lot of different things. Primarily think software. For me personally, I have worked in artificial intelligence for the majority of my career. Artificial intelligence has a lot of flavors to it. It's not all Alexa or Siri. I worked in a, a very niche flavor of it. 
which is irrelevant to this conversation. <laughs> Great. Okay. Awesome. So moving on from asking questions. So the initial spot of figuring that out, like just literally ask all the questions. What's our next step? I think one really important question to ask is like, what kind of business are you looking to build? And is that a kind of business that actually needs funding? There's a lot of epic, beautiful, totally glorious businesses out there that never took a single dime on. So like case in point, most people have probably heard the Sarah Blakely story, right? She started thanks by literally chopping off, you know, the, the footies of tights and turn that into a billion dollar empire that we all now know and love. So Sarah Blakely never gave up any, you know, portion of her ownership in that business because she was able to fund it by making money, right? So if you have enough profits to cover how much it costs you to run your business, you may never have to get investors. And I think that that's pretty epic. So first, ask yourself, like, what kind of business do you want to build? And is that a business that actually requires any outside capital in order to, to build it? Okay, are you as psychotic about your socks as I am? You can literally ask my husband. He's sitting right across from me, actually. And he knows that my feet are always cold. It can be hot outside and I want to put socks on my feet because the air conditioning is on. And every single night before I go to bed, it's almost like I forget that I can't sleep without socks on. So I make him go grab me a pair of socks. And I'm telling you all of this because I'm sock obsessed. And that is why I choose Bombas Socks. They fit perfectly. I also am a gym fanatic. So Chris and I are walking three to six miles per day. And I hate when I get quitter socks. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? When they slide down your feet, it's like your sock gives up. Bombas, this does not happen with these socks. They make socks that are comfortable and look great with a wide variety of options. Plus, this is a huge bonus for me as a consumer. But for every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. They are socks made from super soft material like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cashmere. And for everything you do, there's a pair of Bombas socks, such as performance styles for every sport and activity that keeps you moving. And for every moment you need to dodge any sort of crumbs on the kitchen floor or anything that makes your feet cold in the middle of the night. Lately, I've been loving the women's tri-block marl ankle sock for my daily walks by the beautiful ocean side that we are now living in right now for part of the year with my dog. These socks are a thicker material that fills all the space in your activewear shoes so your feet don't slide around. I got the six pack of socks, so I had a few different colors to choose from. I love the black and gray. It just seamlessly goes into my sneakers with my black leggings that I'm wearing every day. Everything they make is super soft, seamless, tagless, and has a luxurious, cozy feel. Bombas' mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you're also giving to someone in need. Go to bombas.com slash Lori to get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Lori for 20% off your first purchase. When I started Light Pink, there were some options to just bootstrap and grow slower, grow a little more local, but because I wanted to go bigger, faster, and because I also wanted to create opportunities for women to be involved in a company. And part of, you know, the whole reason for Light Pink was this educational portion of creating these opportunities and this new conversation. I decided to raise money, but I don't 
think one is better than the other. I have bootstrapped companies and I'm so glad that I have. There's days where I'm like, man, I wish I would have bootstrapped, but I'm so glad I didn't because I would have quit and I don't want to quit. So I just love just sharing that because I think that raising money is getting really glorified right now. And I'll tell you, it's not always a great option. And it can also feel like a lot of pressure and it can be very stressful. And there's a couple different ways to raise money. Do you want to chat about some different ways to raise money? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the ways that I think of just immediately off the top of my head are like, a lot of people don't think about getting loans because it's like not nearly as sexy as raising venture capital. But loans are like a perfectly good option, right? You need this. They're pretty awesome, guys. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty amazing. And there's a lot of like really flexible terms on loans too. So like if you need money, go and ask at least five people for how much they could give you and what the terms would be on that. Don't just take the first money that is available to you. That's easy money. Second option, totally unglorified. Credit cards. I know the founder of Talenti built his business on credit cards. Again, like scaled it up, was in a ton of debt, ultimately used the profits to pay off that debt and sold to Unilever for over a billion dollars. It's like, okay, that's a story too, right? Credit cards are a resource that we have available to us. Another option that I think is a really beautiful option is crowdfunding. It's, you know, something that's kind of come about that the general public can participate in, give you the amount of capital that you need, and then cheer your business alongside of you, which is a pretty beautiful and epic thing as well. Then of course there's, you know, venture capital or, you know, raising from, if you've heard the term angel investors, which are really exceptional ways to access a lot of funding. However, you will compromise your ownership in the business and therefore your ability to be the main authority on decisions that you're making. In addition to that, every quarter or so, you will be brought to the table to look at your numbers and analyze how those numbers need to change or accelerate in order for you to continue growing the business. And so these are all ways that you can grow a business. There's no right path. There's like the sexy path, right? Like that we hear about more and more. But again, it goes back to like intuitively, you'll know in your gut, like what type of money is meant for you and what type of people you're meant to take that money from so that you can grow the vision that you have in your heart. Oh, so good. Thank you for that. I think that, you know, a lot of the podcasts we listen to, it's like, oh, they just got $10 million or $20 million or $100 million from this venture capital. But it's funny, I'm watching, are you watching any of the Netflix on WeWork or Uber? They are both on my watch list. I've heard amazing things. I've finished one and almost done with another one. And I'm like, whoa, this is a great education for people who think that they want to take on a lot of venture dollars, which is great. You can see how fast you can freaking grow and get a footprint out there because it's just money. But think about, this is a crazy thought. Like think about you having an idea and not having all of the experience yet, but having all the money to spend it as an inexperienced founder or CEO. So that's kind of the story of (laughs) what happens a lot. It's just really, really interesting. So, and not to go on a tangent, but that is a great example of just a lot of the pressure, especially when it's large amounts, they give away so much of their company that they can get voted out of their company. And you have no, like you literally have a company that you have all your blood, sweat and tears and you are no longer able to run it. Very interesting. I think maybe to make a comment on that, right? We hear oftentimes in the media because these are compelling stories, like the teams that totally blew up, right? The WeWorks of the world, the Theranoses of the world. And you're like, woo, that was was a dumpster fire. 
on the other side of the equation, like the glossiers, right? Like billion dollar valuation, like gorgeous products, like obsessive customers. What you don't hear a lot about is the messy middle. The companies that raise a ton of money, never figure out who they want to be when they grow up and who are ultimately kind of forced into an exit equation that benefits literally no one. And like those this too. And so I think it's important that like the listener hears that like, again, there's so much hype around this industry right now. At the end of the day, like you need to look at like, what is the lifestyle I want to have? Who are the people that I want to serve? What does it take to do that? And how can I do that on my own terms? And if I'm means like taking on capital so you can scale this thing to the moon and you're willing to take the risk of it totally imploding. Cool. By all means, go do it. We need more people doing that. But if it's not, then I would like, like take a look in the mirror before, before you think that that's the only path. Oh my goodness. And I think this is a, a conversation that women, probably part of the reason why we, well, we know the reason why we, it's a big part of the reason why we stop ourselves is there's also this lifestyle that's attached to it with oh my goodness, if now I get this money from people, now I literally am expected to not sleep, to not take care of myself, to be seen working 24-7, even if that work is total shit. Tell me about this conversation on your end. Are you hearing any of this? Like, what are your thoughts on it? All the things. I'm positive that there are both founders and investors who fully and wholly believe that, right? That are like the workaholic types that expect like every ounce of blood, sweat, and tears that you you know, take from them, you put back into the business. I also think that there is a rise of conscious VCs that I like have met through my network or know because I work with these people every single day who believe in founders and their vision and creating space for them to be successful on their own terms. And they fundamentally believe that success comes by not burning out And by not going so hard that you wake up two years from now and you literally can't even move the business forward any longer. There's actually a business that I'm very close to where the CEO and founder worked so hard in this business that he actually developed cancer and had fertility issues and then had to depart the business to take care of his health, right? And so our VCs or the VCs, you know, associated with this business look at that and they're like, oh, shoot, you know, we put in tens of millions of dollars into this founder and their beliefs and how they were going to run this business. And then the person, you know, did the equivalent of like worked himself to death. Thank God he's alive, but they don't want that, right? They want the best outcome for themselves and the businesses and the founders. And so, yeah, I think that there's a lot to be said about kind of the awareness of bringing your whole self to work, the awareness of boundaries, the awareness of like everything that the pandemic really brought to the forefront in the new era of business that we're entering. Oh, so good. It actually like really inspires me to want to start <laughs> that later on in my career. Just a, a fund for women that's a little more conscious because I think that that's part of the problem why we're not starting is because we don't know if we're willing to let go of our health, our family, all of the things. Yeah. And I think that th- those are the, the pieces that make us so passionate about a product or a company that make us so connected to our audience. And I think when we work ourselves to death, we get so disconnected that we start to resent what we're doing. And it's felt like, I think that's where so many people go wrong is I've been in seasons of that in my career where I'm like, why are my numbers going down? Why are my things not selling? Well, you're exhausted. You're resentful. You don't like what you're talking about anymore because it doesn't feel authentic because it's not. 
I literally remember stuff. We made this program. It was at the most burnt out stage of my entire life. I had never worked this hard in my entire life. And I was creating also a program called Aligned. And I remember just like freaking out. My husband and I were fighting and we were like, I had this stupid, I've never been so unaligned in my life. Like, even though the theories were what we were living by, we just like took on so much all at once. And it was just this moment of like, this is so hilarious right now that I'm right here. I feel like there's really something there to be said. And I, I, I feel like the need to share this right now because it goes back to like that triangle, right? Of like, there's the data and then there's the intuition. And the intuition, I think, has like a little bit of science. So I'm a hippie woo-woo Pisces and I took a sound bath, you know, multiple times. I was like, I have to learn how to play sounds for myself so that I can like realign my energy. It's just so good. It's so juicy. And so I took this sound course. And what I learned in the sound course is like sound is vibration, vibration is energy, and we project our energy through the vibrations we give off, right? Literally our voices. And so if you are like so far out of alignment that you're miserable, there is no way on like a cellular level, you're going to project this aligned, perfect, beautiful, loving energy out. It's just not physically possible. And so no wonder your sales were down, like, right? Like you literally physically and energetically were not aligned to whatever that was. It's so interesting because I 1 million percent believe that because I'm talking on a podcast and my numbers were down. We're talking about sales and I'm speaking it out into the world and I'm speaking through it. So when I am happy and I am healthy, things go well and I am wealthy. It's true. People want to do business with people who make them feel good and who they believe in. And you can't believe in someone who feels like they're giving an inauthentic version of themselves. Like it actually pushes away rather than attracts authenticity, confidence, showing up, right? Like when we're in our highest, like most energetic versions of ourselves, like we attract those that are meant for us into our lives. When I started down this path of working with VCs every single day, I was like, oh my gosh, like these people are so intimidating. And like, I can't imagine being a founder pitching my business and like all this stuff, right? And I kind of assumed, I was like, man, these guys gotta be so data-driven, right? They're using data to determine what kind of companies they wanna look at you know, to even like meet, you know, have a first conversation. Like I'm sure there's a ton of data here. It's almost entirely through people's networks. It's almost entirely through who you know and how you make those people feel. And that's how you get to these tables to have these conversations. And that blew me away. And so anyway, I think the lesson in all of this is like, if you are strung out on your business, burnt out, crying to your husband every night, been there, done that. Sounds like Lori has too. You are no, in no way, like in the right mental, you know, attitude to attract the people into your life that are going to put you at the table that are going to get you the capital that you need on the terms that you want that. And so going back to your original question, Laura, like, do you have to put like every ounce of blood, sweat and tears and every hour of your life into this business? No, like don't burn yourself out because that's not the path to success. I could tangent on so many things with you right now. Oh my gosh. But I want to like, literally this could go on forever with you. So I want to talk about women and pitching, starting to think about, okay, I might have this idea or I do have this idea, but I'm not really sure in my gut. I saw it. It feels great. I think it could be awesome. But now when I think about money and pitching, I'm not sure. I don't feel confident. I don't think this idea is going to get out because I just don't have the network or the confidence. How can we get around this? Because this is where I think this is happening a lot. I don't have the people to ask. I don't have the network. I don't have the confidence. Where could we start to at least not bench ourselves before the game has begun? 
Yeah. I feel like there's a, a few different ways to break this down. So first and foremost is like, you've got an idea. You don't have a business at this point. You just have an idea. The first thing I would ask myself is like, what is the most stripped down version of this idea that I could produce with the means in the network that I have right now? Example, you wake up and you're like, I want to start an oat milk company that competes with Oatly, right? Like how in the world would you do that? Here's how I would start. I would buy some oats. I would get some water. I would press that stuff, put it in a jar, give it to my friend for however many dollars she'd pay me for it and say, what do you think? That is starting a company, right? It's a seedling idea. It is a minimal viable product, as we would say in the software industry, but it is immediate validation, confirmation that you have something that's worth pursuing. A lot of times we count ourselves out because we see the big vision of that Oatly and we don't see the hand pressed, you know, oat water. (laughs) And we think, that's not for me, that's too big. Break it down to the barest studs and see if you can validate your idea with no network, no means whatsoever. Okay, I got to weigh in on this because I love that and it's 100% the truth. So for me, when I was like, I think I want to start this like beverage company, maybe champagne, maybe wine spritz. I Googled how to start one. I literally was like, what do I do if I want to, you know how you like that your first sentence is like a paragraph long and then you're like, okay, Google's not understanding. So the first step is literally just figuring out what to ask. I was like, okay, oh, how do I formulate? That's the word. That took me even a while step. Like what word do I ask if I wanted to start a beverage company? So I found this thing after asking Google, how would I formulate? It said that I would need a flavor house. So then I Googled, what is a flavor house? And what kind of flavor house if I wanted an alcoholic beverage? So then I found a flavor house and learned that the minimum for me to get something, anything for me to start seeing if this was even a thing that could be good, that didn't taste like absolute ass water. I was like, okay, $9,000 to do this. Can I invest 9,000 of my own dollars to start this process? Yes. And this was before I raised money. And this was literally like, is this something that I couldn't believe that I can believe in and that I think is possible for me? Because I didn't want to go raise money or start this company without knowing I could get a product that tasted the way that I wanted. And so to your statement, 1 million percent, that gave me the confidence and kind of like got me into the language enough to be like, there's something here. Because when my friends had it, they were like, this is something. And that's the second thing is like that first action, whatever that action is. And like you did it this way. The, you know, oat milk example that I gave is another way. The founder of Doe, they launched it on Instagram. Like they didn't even have a product. They just put up an Instagram to see like, what is, does the market like it? Right. You get likes on Instagram, immediate validation, like you're onto something. So whatever that first action is, that's how you build confidence. Because the second that your dream customer, whoever that is, validates like, Ooh, yeah, you're, this is, this rocks right? You have like the pep in your step, you need to go and take that next action. And so your question around network, like what is that next action? This is, I don't know, hot take, but I think that uh, salespeople get a bad rap, but salespeople are honestly like some of the best ways to learn from people and build your network because salespeople are incentivized to sell to you, but they also come with a wealth of knowledge on whatever topic it is that you want more information on. And so go to a website that looks like it can help you put your name in and request a conversation with sales. That salesperson is going to get on the phone and they're going to literally give you the roadmap because that's their job to doing whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Oh man, these are such good tips because we think that we're supposed to move forward feeling how we feel with just an idea. 
And that is not enough data for you to move forward. And so I'm so grateful just for all of the shared. I know you probably have a few things you haven't shared that I would love to just wrap with on just making us feel like we can be more confident and at least know the direction and start the conversation. Today is simply about like, let's start allowing ourselves to have the conversation and not feel stupid about not knowing a word that someone said, but really asking and and inserting ourselves into the conversation. So Steph, what are some things we did not cover? If anything, I would say for, again, for anybody like looking to actually go and do fundraising, that doesn't feel like they have the network. Here's where I would start Google. One thing that surprised me, I actually didn't know this when I entered the space is that these funds, so companies that invest money for a living, they each have specific mandates. As an example, one fund could invest only in technology companies, another only in consumer packaged goods companies. Theoretically, if you go to one of these funds that does not invest in companies that look like yours, they will never answer the phone. They're going to tell you to go away and it's going to be highly demotivating. I actually didn't realize, right? Like how important it was to be thoughtful about who you're reaching out into this space or to in this space and who you're receiving feedback from in this space, right? And so I think, you know, my encouragement to the listener was, you know, depending on what business that you have, go and find venture capitalists that invest in your type of company and see if they will mentor you. Again, at the end of the day, venture capitalists are salespeople through and through. They are responsible for identifying companies that they can invest in, determining if you guys can come to mutual terms on that and then giving you money so you can run your business. But they have to invest in people. That's like literally their business, right? And so have conversations with them, understand what that would look like for your business. Ask every question that you would ask if you know, you were looking to get married with somebody. And if you're looking for just some like more passive resources, things to do that don't require you to talk to strangers and ask tough questions, I would recommend a few specific books that have been recommended to me. The first is Secrets of Sand Hill Road. It really gives you an insider look at like the industry of venture capital and the mechanisms there. The second is Venture Deals. That book really gives you a better understanding of like how these, what are the terms of these deals? How are they structured? What do you need to know as a founder going into them? And then the last is The Founder's Dilemma. And why I like this book is it actually goes through kind of the issues that you could come across if you choose to take on venture capital and show the other side of the coin should you decide that that's the right path for you. So go in eyes wide open, you know, know that you have the right to ask every single question and know that you also have the right to have money available to you and to walk away anyway if it doesn't feel right. Mm, so good. You've shared so much. And I think that this is freedom around w- one thing I just want to add is like, I hope that for everybody, this is freedom around go as big as you want or keep your company small. Like you don't have to have this giant company to have a successful company. Like your company can make a million dollars a year and that's a giant success. You can make $20 million and that's a giant success. You can exit at $5 million and that's a huge success depending on obviously what you've spent within your company. But I just really want to say that within, you know, the area of you don't have to take on all this money. You don't have to have some giant company to start this like dream business. It can start smaller. You can borrow less. You can bootstrap. You can borrow a lot. Like I hope this conversation opened you up to like, whoa, I'm a person who could actually handle that risk. I'm a person who actually feels really excited about really large amounts of money because I know exactly what to do with it or who to hire 
to help me run it. So thank you so much, Steph, for coming on. Any last words for our listeners that you want to add? I think just a quick, for anybody that is listening to this and is building a business that is similar to Light Pink, right? So consumer goods business, part of the business that I am in is that we invest in companies like yours and we also provide loans to companies like yours. And so if you have questions and you need answers and you literally just want like a friendly person to ask a bunch of dumb questions to, let me be that person. I would love to help you because I'm personally very passionate about this and want more money in the hands of women so we can do epic things. Oh, I love this so much. And Steph, what is your Instagram handle? Yeah, I'm at by Steph Caldwell. So B-Y-S-T-E-F Caldwell, C-N-L-D-W. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. You guys, one of the best things that we can do for our guests to tell them how incredible they were and what we got out of it is to tag Steph on her Instagram and let her know what your biggest takeaway was. Or as she said, shoot her a message, ask a question, because this is really how we're doing it. We're all just piecing it together. We're all asking people who are a little or a lot ahead of us. And we're so grateful for you for tuning into this conversation. There'll be many more like it. And until next time, earn your happy, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday, I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back and I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and 
It's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community and everyone is talking about the power of community. Without an online community, you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement, which is what I know that we're all after. And you can build trust or monetize your audience. When you get community right, not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody gonna be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to circle.so. Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too, and you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use, and it has a free 14-day trial for you, so you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes, and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14-day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. 
It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthday.com slash Lori.